What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. Today, I'm sitting with Nico Enriquez. He is the founder and CEO of Willie's Superbrew. And although we talk about Willie's Superbrew and the product and what they're doing in the story, really, this conversation is a deep dive into values and how to stick to your values when they're under pressure, how to set your values, not only as a company, but as a person. And I loved it. I loved diving deep into this with Nico. He brings some fresh perspective to the show. So I think you all enjoy it as well. But before we get into it, as always, hey, we put on the show here at Cave Social, our marketing agency based out of Los Angeles that helps companies grow with social media. So if you're feeling stuck, head over to Cave Social, hit that contact us. We'd love to help you out. All right, cool. Let's get into the show. What's going on, world? Welcome to another episode of the show. Today, I'm sitting with Nico Enriquez. He is the founder and CEO at Willie's Super Brew. Nico, how you doing? Doing excellent. Good to be here. Hey, man. So I want to jump right in. Tell me the story. I guess, one, what's the product? And then two, rewind the clock for us and talk us through kind of those initial phases and what brought you to actually starting the business. So Willie's Super Brew is a hard seltzer with real fruit. We're actually the most award-winning hard seltzer in the world. We've won 21 medals in the last three years, and it's all because we use real fruit. So you pour it out, you see the color versus everyone else is clear. You can literally see the difference and taste it. So that's what we do at Willie's. But the reason we started was when I was a kid, I met this crew playing volleyball. I was 12 years old, showed up on the side of a court, and I was like, can I play? And ended up falling in love with the game and the crew. And one of the people who was playing was a goat farmer named Willie. So when I was growing up, he was brewing a home-brewed ginger lemon brew. It was freaking amazing. And for years, I was like, Willie, we should sell this. This is insane. And we never did anything. And then when I was in college, I was like, what am I going to do with my life? I was a sophomore. I was going to be a neuroscientist. And I, and I ended up being like, I don't want to do this. So I called Willie and I was like, this summer, man, let's sell the gingerbread at the farmer's markets. Let's see what happens. We raised $20,000 on Kickstarter. We borrowed three Cuisinarts from our friends. We grind 1,000 pounds of ginger in our driveway for 14 hours and get second degree burns. And we ended up selling $50,000 of product that first summer. And that's when I started to realize like, holy crap, we have something here. I started looking at the beverage industry and, and I realized at the time there were no good alternatives to beer that were made with real fruit. Everything that was like fruit-based alcohols was radioactive coloring, crazy sugary, not good for you at all. And if we could bring to people something that was low calorie, gluten-free, made with real fruit, and it tasted good and had a good story, then you could build a billion dollar idea out of it. And that was all before seltzer came along. So as we progressed, we learned how do you fit in the industry? How do you message your product? How do you fit into the very old and entrenched style of what alcohol is to make something that resonates with consumers? And to this point, we're now a team of 20. We've grown five times since over the last three years and we're on our way. I love it. And I love it's like having those moments, right? Like 2015, you're there and it's like, hey, this there's a space, there's white space here that needs to be filled. And looking at giving people an alternative, like you're saying, this before white claw exploded and seltzers as a whole. But then now I also see like you're seeing this push towards, and I I think that Willie's is super prime for this, like this push just more towards plant-based, natural, gluten-free. Like, hey, I want to know, I want real things. I don't want some, like I want real flavor too, taste, right? You'll see this, the taste, when you use the real products and real fruit, yeah, people are like, oh, okay, not all carbs are the enemy. I can have three grams of carbohydrate and this tastes just not a little better, like leaps and bounds better than, you know, whatever insert seltzer company that's got like, it's like a scent of a flavor in the other room is kind of how I always categorize those. Now you're growing. Yeah. 20 people. Talk to me 
about times, I guess, like, well, I guess outline to me the values of the company. We talked a little bit, you know, before offline about that. But then I, I want to hear about some of the values. And then I want to hear about maybe a time when you're like, dang, this was really testing me. And I had to like go back to the company values and double down, believe on myself, believe on my team. Like, you know, so walk me through just, uh, I guess, the values and then a moment when you feel like they were really put to the test and kind of how you came through the other side. Good question. Actually, I'll tell you about the time that we learned what our values were and like when we decided on them. So in 2018, we were three months away from running out of money. My co-founder got burnt out and basically I was alone running this thing for the first time and about to run out of runway at this point where I was like, holy crap, can I do this? Like, this is a lot. This is a lot to take on all of a sudden. And can I figure out where to get cash? Can I figure out how to scale this thing? Can I do it alone? And I looked at myself and I was like, why am I doing this? You know, like, why am I going through this pain to build this thing when it's so painful? And what I realized was it was the people I was working with and it was the way that we worked together. And if we could do it in the right way, if we could distill that down and say, this is who we want to be as people, these are our values, then the test of these painful experiences is the opportunity to learn to be a better person. So when my co-founder got burnt out, I sat down with the three other people on our team at the time. And we all said, what are our values? Why are we doing this? How do we do it? Because we're about to go through a lot and we want to scale this thing, but we got to decide to do it right. So our values that we outlined were no bullshit, foster growth, have a soul, live responsibly, and be curious and innovate. And those five values are the values of who I want to be as a person. And the reason that I'm on this journey where when I'm a father or if so that I can be a better son or I can be a better brother or a better friend. If I can live those values in the life outside of business and I can use the journey and the tests of Willie's to be that person, then I can do that when it's higher stakes, when you know someone's dying in my life or something versus when it's just a business question and we're trying to get the right supply chain or something. And it's, you know, it's not going to end the world if it doesn't get figured out. Yeah, it's interesting because I think that business and life, they're so intertwined and we have this like, there's this, I believe, a false narrative that like, okay, we can like business and then we cut the shut it off and it's like, and then we go to our life and I think values, man, like they transcend all of that. And to your point, it's like, okay, no bullshit, right? It's like, okay, that's like, I'm going to have candor, right? Like I always say to people, if you want to be nice, go sell, start selling ice cream. But like kindness is having candor. And that's being able to give people like be straight up with them, tell them how like tell them the situation, don't sugarcoat it. So sitting down with your team and being like, look, we have three months runway. How are we going to do this? How are we going to grow sustainably? Instead of coming into the office and doing a song and dance, being like, everything's great when in reality, you know, the walls are falling down behind the mask, right? It's like, okay, how do we do that? So I love this idea of looking at what's the person you want to be? What are the values that correlate with that? And then using business really as a vehicle, just another area to live by these because it takes up so much time in our life, work. And doing something that if it's not aligned with your personal values, I think you're going to, you won't be doing it for long, <laughs> you know? <laughs> now you sat there, you got your four people, you've got the values, and then the company starts to grow, the, adding more team members in, adding more team members. What do you do now to ensure that, hey, these values are lived, other people agree with them, and it doesn't become a cheesy motivational poster? on the wall, you know, cause I've seen like mega corporations and they have, if you dream it, you can do it on the wall. And it's like, all right, people are not really living them. So I'm always interested to hear about like, as you're growing, how are you handling the communication of the values? And then, yeah, ensuring that they really are in the DNA of the company. I think most of all, it comes on each person you hire modeling those values. Like 
having clear accountability in your hiring process and then also in your management process and also in my day-to-day leadership and our leadership team's style of managing. Each person modeling that to say, these are the values that I care about and this is what I'm going to be held accountable to and this is what I'm going to talk to each other about. When the team thinks, what do I do? They'll think back to the point where as a leader myself, I lead in a vulnerable way, to be honest with our team. So like I, part of no bullshit for me is like, being honest about when I don't know something or when I'm nervous or when I you know, have a question or, or feel like I did something wrong even. And just directly owning up to that in front of the team and being willing to be silly or made fun of or whatever it is on our team, because that then fosters the environment where people can be themselves and they can call each other out. And they don't feel like if they get something right or wrong immediately, that they're going to have like a guillotine come in and say, you're out, you're, you got this wrong. So I think it's really about modeling leadership and finding the right people and then holding people accountable to living to those values. And if you do that, then it spreads like a wave through the organization. I'm totally with you when it comes to like the hiring process and kind of having that accountable through that and then living it yourself because it really does start at the top and being able to do that. Now, that being said, myself, I've gone through it where I hired someone who in the interview, I was like, this person aligns with everything I want to create. Okay. They pass all the tests. They enter. I've sit them out with other team members. They're amazing. And then they get in and it's like, whoa, okay, we are not aligned. And then in my experience, I waited too long to help exit the person from the company. But I'm interested if like, if you've had any of those moments where you've like, and if you've had any red flags where like, oh, it didn't align and I made a mistake and like have to, you know, exit the person from the company. Uh, and if there's any tips or anything that you've seen on that to, for other leaders listening to be like how to handle those situations with grace. I think that's one of the hardest questions in the business is how do you hire the right people? And you don't really know through an interview process. You only know through working with people, really. And I think aggressively sourcing recommendations and like being very aggressive on like trying to hear out from six or seven people on a key hire. How is this person as an employee? How are they as a manager? How are they as a person? That is probably the greatest way I've found pre-hiring to vet people out and say, this is the person we want. The other good thing about doing that is it often builds your network even more as well. So that it gives you a reason to talk to people and then you can reach out to them or they can ask you for help in the future. So it, it pays dividends in the future. Once you have someone on the team who we've definitely had that before, hire someone and you know pretty early on, like in the first month that they're not the right fit for the organization. I also have made the error of holding on to people for too long. I think that's part of like our have a soul value where I'm like, I would rather bear this out. But the older mentors I have have always said, you know, be clear and clean and cut sooner if you know, because once you have several doubts in your head about the same person, it's time to make the cut. So I would say the rule of thumb that I would like to live by, but don't always live by, is if you have basically three warning signs in your head about someone over you know a month period, and you've given them the feedback as well, this is key. You give them the feedback after you have those warning signs, then that would be the time for a cut. I don't currently do that as well as I could, but I think that's the important process. Look for warning signs. Like when you see warning signs, give feedback, give them a month if you see a recurring theme. Yeah, I think it's spot on. I also think on the flip side of that, something that most leaders I talk to that we can work on is acknowledging when you see that someone's an absolute rock star and there's a bunch going off where you're like, this person's unreal and not promoting Mm. them fast enough. Mm. And being like, oh shit, this person has so much more ability than the current responsibilities I'm giving them. And I know they've only been here for three months, but like I need to fast track this or they're going to get fast tracked at the competitor across town. (laughs) You know, that's kind of like something that I've been like trying to 
work on to be like, okay, because it's like, it's so, it's counterintuitive, right? We always want to look to your point, like, okay, and I'm working on that as well. Like, how do we get people if they're not a right fit? But I think on the flip side of that too, is looking at what's the promotional path for these people? Mm. What's the incentive? That's huge. And this is, I want to set up the next question for you, which is here is as your company grows, right? What the plans are moving forward, how are you looking to the future when you're growing from 20 to 30, 30 to 40, 40 to 50? Are you thinking like, hey, let's just get from 20 to 21, 22 to 23, and we'll keep figuring it out. We'll live by the values and it'll sort itself out. Or are you kind of like, have you mapped out what you want to scale to and what an organization ideally would look like? So our biggest focus for the start of this year was finding the right leadership mix. What I knew coming into this year is what we need most of all, as Seltzer gets more crowded, as Better For You drinks get more crowded, as there's more and more opportunities to push the limits and build out into new spaces, you need really good people to be managing your sales team. You need really good people to be managing your marketing team and you need your production and finance to be locked down. So at the start of the year, we in March, we hired someone who had worked at Diageo for 20 years. He'd scaled his previous brand from 2.9 million to 15 million and he'd run national chains. Um, so he'd had a mix of experience of biggest guys in the business, startup, hungry, good values. And I think that's the key is like find the foundational leaders that can then drive your future growth. So we also did that in marketing. This month, we brought in someone who was the CMO of New Belgium. He was there for 11 years. He worked at Pabs as their CMO. He built some of the greatest brands and brands in beverage. He's one of the greatest marketers in beverage history. And with those two, I have currently a plan for scaling it across the country and trying to lead better for you. But at the same time, these two are going to help us shape where we go as a business to the degree that what I say now, I know we're going to be adapting and iterating because the industry is moving so fast. And so the real key is not what's your five-year plan because the five-year plan is going to change every year. It's going to be, do you hire the good people who then can help you adapt so that then you can fit the market? And I have beliefs that, okay, Seltzer is going to go towards craft and there's going to be authenticity is going to lead it. And we have the foundation for that. Okay. We have those fundamentals, but at the same time, Seltzer might hit the floor and go, you know, the same way it rose out of nowhere, it might go down out of nowhere. So we need to build the team that can adapt to that and iterate and build the innovation pipeline that can do that. And that's the biggest focus is maintaining talent and having a North Star, but basically adapting each year using the feedback of your team. I love that. Getting people in to say, okay, who are the pillars, right? Who are the pillars that we can build around and can help hold up the foundation? And knowing that as the winds of change come, it's like they're going to be able to adapt and take it. So I just know that the more good people I have you know, in the organization, the more adaptable we're going to be. And I love that as a talent acquisition strategy of just like get people in who are pillars, who have experience, have Ability. And then in certain cases, if you're going to come in and lead a team, have walked the walk, talk the talk a little bit. I think things like that. It's like, oh, they've been there before. So when they see distribution deal go sideways, it's not the end of the world. They go, oh, that's nothing. That'll happen five more times before we get like, before we go and don't let's just keep it moving. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Now, before I let you go, let people know where can they pick up some of Willie's and where can they follow your journey online? So drink superbrew at drink superbrew is our hashtag. You can follow us there. Facebook, Instagram, all that jazz, where you can find it. We're in the Northeast. So New England, New Jersey, Philadelphia, New York. Whole Foods were distributed in Wegmans, Hannaford, Fresh Direct, Market Basket. So a bunch of the key chains and also a lot of your local mom and pop grocery. And we're going to be in Buffalo Wild Wings this fall. They just mandated us, which is huge news because that is one of the hardest things to get in restaurants and bars. So yeah. I love it. On-premise, man. On-premise is uh, massive. So that congrats on that one. 
Cool, man. Thanks thanks for spending the time today and sharing some of your knowledge. I know the listeners will appreciate it. I definitely do. Thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you too, Jordan. Thanks for inviting me. It was great. All right, everybody. That's it for this episode. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Sheldon. I'll catch you next time. Um,